This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Bet and Breakfast, a podcast from BetSided. Hey, does anybody want coffee? Who wants coffee? It's sports betting for everyone. I'm here to tell you today that the New York Yankees season is done. Stick a fork in them, it's over. Lamar Jackson, I can't believe he's that low on the list that he's my bet for sure at this point in the season. Early leans, best bets, props, parlays. If you can bet it, we've got it. I'm taking the over on this. If you look at the last five games, this is a game waiting for points to be scored. Tom Brady, I think everyone's heard of him. If Brady puts up the numbers, they have the 10th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Get in, get out, and you're ready to go. I think they're going to have to give him the award if Dallas ends up locking up this division and possibly even that number one seed. And here are your hosts, Ben Heisler, Ian McMillan, Peter Dewey, Donovan Smoot, and Reed Wallet. What comes before anything? What have we always said is the most important thing? Breakfast family all right let's do this it is bed and breakfast on a monday a super bowl starter it's not the the finisher it's not the main course it's just the the initial starter because we now have a super bowl matchup set for just under two weeks from today ben heisler with my guys reed wallach and peter dewey good to have the monday crew back uh, we're got, we got plenty to discuss over the course of today's show. We'll go through some of our early leans if we have them for the Super Bowl coming up. Uh, it's a little bit of a hint as to where one of us is going. Uh, also, best bets for Monday as well. I'm in Kansas City, guys, and, and I know that my location looks a, a little bit different than, than normal per circumstances, but um, it, it's very it's – a, it's a beautiful sunny day. It's supposed to be like in the, the high 50s outside in Kansas City today, I, I can tell you everybody is inside mad and upset and crying in their basements because the way in which they lost that game, um, I, I know we're going to give Kyle Shanahan some some crap a little bit later, um, two historical, uh, I want to call them like bad losses, but two historical choke jobs, I, I think, in the in the championship week. What was your, your you, overall you, you perspective? You can call them bad losses. You, those are bad losses. You, they, they were they were very bad losses. I, I'm wondering if there was one that was particularly worse. To me, I I, I think it's the Chiefs, mm-hmm. just because of how you, you, history repeated itself. Right, three points against the Bengals in yeah in the second half, two times in a row, like. If anything, the urgency should have been there. There should have been a reminder of it. You saw the type of comeback and situation that you had last week, and the Chiefs still weren't able to stomp on their throat. And I, the credit to the Bengals for for having the moxie to, to make some second-half adjustments, but I, I think that was more of the Chiefs losing that game than the Bengals winning it. Yeah, I think that um, we'll get into the Bengals side of things. I think that this loss falls squarely on the Chiefs, though. And it's weird. Um, I was sitting with a bunch of buddies watching the game, and I – think that a lot of people felt this way that that last play before the half really was like an ominous kind of like you went into the half like Chiefs up 21 10 you even first of all the play call wasn't incorrect there was time to run a play it wasn't that they got greedy calling a play there it's right Patrick Mahomes to throw it into the end zone or throw it out of bounds really quickly to make that play you know they're at the one yard line but you settle for three you go in 24 10 it's you know, you still got some wiggle room. It just, it felt ominous. And then they came out. They, um, I believe it was a quick three and out. And Mahomes, mm-hmm. that's got to be one of his worst halves of football outside of the Super Bowl last year. I mean, really just ominous. And then the interception was terrible. That last drive when they get down inside the five of regulation, just really 
bizarre game from the Chiefs. And, you know, I know we're talking about they were the first team ever to host four straight um, championship games, which is incredibly impressive. But you're only going to come away with one? You know, I don't know. It just it, – I'm not going to say that the Chiefs are done or anything like that because they're going to be back probably. But, you know, you get, Aaron Rodgers, when, I imagine when he won his first Super Bowl, everyone was saying, oh, he'll – you know, he's going to win. He's going to rattle him off now. He hasn't been to a Super Bowl since. So, you know, you're looking at Patrick Mahomes. They say he's going to be the best quarterback ever. One of four isn't a great start. <laughs> you know, you you got to cash in when you have these opportunities. And, you know, you go back to the Bills last week. That was their opportunity. When are they going to get back in? The Bengals are cashing in on their opportunity. They're in the Super Bowl now, and they have a real chance to win this one. So tip my cap to the uh, Bengals with the Chiefs. That's just another squandered opportunity for them to get another Super Bowl. Reed, it's funny you bring up Aaron Rodgers because Patrick Mahomes, his second half looked like Aaron Rodgers' second half against San Francisco. You're right. I mean, he had a 1.5 QBR, which is just abysmal. But the thing that it just – he was running around in the pocket trying to create something when nothing was there. And, like, yeah, it worked in the first half and he got that touchdown to Kelsey. But then he also took, like, three sacks because of it. And it was just like, you're doing too much. Like, just make, just make your, put yourself in a spot. Like, even the field goal to tie the game, they almost pushed themselves out of field goal. Yeah. Like, they, Bucker's a great kicker, but like, they made that way harder on him than it needed to be. Yeah, with that, that fumble, spot. too. Yeah, it, it was, it was not necessary that they got back that far. And I think the before the half play was a case of, I don't think Mahomes 100% knew the situation because they showed him after he threw the pass trying to call, trying to time, call time out. out. I think it was like that, it was like that Brady, that's like that Brady play against the Bears yeah. where it's like, fourth yeah. down? Terrible. So I don't know if he completely knew the situation, which is one, that's really bad on him if that's the case. And two, I think that was them there saying, we walked down the field three times on these guys. We got three touchdowns. We're going to do it again anyway. Let's just get the seven. But like, you made the point. Like you go into that half up two touchdowns, it is a completely different game for the Bengals because maybe they don't settle for that field goal on that first drive of the second half. Maybe they're like, "Hey, we got to go for it on fourth and short here because we need to get a touchdown because we yeah. can't get Patrick Mahomes the ball back down eleven. Instead, you put them in a situation where like, "Hey, we can kick the field goal, one possession game." And I mean, the Chiefs lost that game a hundred percent. I just think we also have to give credit to the Bengals. Zach Taylor two straight times second half adjustments. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's true. Unbelievable. The, the Bengals defense. I mean, we're talking about Mahomes running around. I mean, literally running in circles in the back, almost tiring himself out. But the Bengals were only rushing three a lot of the time. They were dropping everyone back. I'm surprised that the Chiefs just couldn't find a counter to what seemed like a pretty simple adjustment from the Bengals. I mean, dropping a lot of guys in coverage, go underneath to Kelsey, go underneath the hill. I mean, even running the ball. I mean, the Chiefs were running the ball a lot on first down. The first half, picking up six, seven yards, staying ahead of schedule. They really went away from that in the second half. I mean, I mean Ben, you're the local guy there. I mean, just a mind-boggling loss. I can't. I imagine local radio was having a field day there, losing their minds over that. But you know, when you can't keep counting on them to go back. Yeah, you know, these windows close much faster than you expect. So mm-hmm. definitely a a, a weird bizarre loss that first game uh the second game was i think a little bit different though i think the first one was much worse yeah we'll, one, we'll get one last this. thing on the chiefs real quick i think andy Reid got a little too cute i think we see with tom brady's teams they put up the stat the other in the game yesterday tom brady 14 conference championship games he only threw 21 touchdowns mahomes has already thrown like 13 and four or five or whatever it is and i thought it was interesting because i'm like 
Andy Reid got away from running the ball, which you said it worked very well in the first half and the second half because he's like, well, I have Patrick Mahomes. I think it's very interesting how the Patriots, it was never like, we're just going to let Tom Brady throw 50 times. Like how many times have they ran the ball in big spots? I mean, the James White game in that 28 to three Mm -hmm. um, comeback, like they're, there's other teams and like the Packers kind of did the same thing with Rodgers. They kind of just like, we have Aaron Rodgers. Let's just throw the ball. And like you, like you said, they're, they're blitzing three guys and they wouldn't run the ball in the second half. It's unbelievable. It, yep. It's a remarkable aspect to it where it's a quarterback driven league. It's a vertical league. And yet you still need to have this aspect of balance to be able to keep teams on the other side off balance. And it's always kind of been a bugaboo of the chiefs and, just even having your running back as that fallback option in the passing game, that's also been a highlight of what the Chiefs have been able to do over the last several years too. Think about um, when they had um, when they had Damian Williams a couple of years ago in the Super Bowl. He was an integral part of their playoff success. We were seeing Jarek McKinnon in a similar role this year, but they they got away from it, became a little bit more predictable. And you're right. Like the Bengals do need a, a little bit of credit here. Uh, there are a few things that I read in post game that I wanted to sort of see whether or not any, any of these really stuck out to you. The first is that Patrick Mahomes for as dominant as he's been in his career. And by the way, I, I do want to shout out our, our buddy, Joe Summers, who uh, also writes over at, at Betside and is part of the fan side network, um, our, our concept marketing writer um, who basically like came out and said, like, I, I have to reevaluate how I view Patrick Mahomes. Like you said, Reed, we were talking about Mahomes sort of being like, he's going to be the greatest quarterback of all time. But when you go one and four um, in AFC championship games or, or two and four, I should say in AFC championship games, only win one Super Bowl, do you really get to be in that same conversation? I was guilty of it. I wrote an article yesterday over at Betsided saying like Mahomes is never going to have the opportunity to, to beat Tom Brady one-on-one to, to see if he's actually going to one day be the truly top go to the league. And, and here we are talking about the chiefs as ifs as opposed to what they could have accomplished. But I want to read some of these crazy numbers um, from yesterday to see if any of them stick out before we start getting into the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes 39 and two when leading by 14 points in his career, but he's and two in those games against Joe Burrow. Here's the, here's the second one. The 18-point lead that the Chiefs blew is the largest in championship game history. Number three, the Chiefs have blown three playoff games since Andy Reid came in of 18 points or more, two of which came at home. They're, they're one and two in those games. The other one that they uh, they blew was um, the, the game against Tennessee. They ended up winning that one. Um, and then as far as playoff ratings and actual stats in the postseason, in 2022, Joe Burrow, thrown for 592 yards two touchdowns in the playoffs with one pick quarterback rating of 101.4 patrick mahomes 782 yards so about 190 more yards six more touchdowns he has eight touchdowns compared to burrow one pick and a quarterback rating of 131.7 again it goes back to the idea of keeping teams off balance and that could be a major, major role here. But uh, were there any thoughts that you guys had? I know we have to, to talk about the the uh, this upcoming Super Bowl matchup, but was there any major takeaways from the Rams and 49ers game that you guys want to address? Uh, it was the coaching and game managing was some of the worst I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, between McVay um, with the, the challenges, challenges. <sighs> and the timeouts, just mind boggling. And then Shanahan, reverting to it's almost like the can't teach old dog new tricks just the cowardly punting left and right um 
Ben Baldwin does, you know, the fourth down decision by the one on fourth and two in the fourth quarter was a no brainer. Go for it. Didn't go for it. Uh, really cheeky play call moving Trent Williams in motion, going counter to Kyle use check on third and two just how I thought, you know, the Niners were actually throwing the ball pretty well. In my opinion, the run game wasn't working. I thought Jimmy Garoppolo actually played all right in this one. Don't really put the loss on him. And they got away from it when it was working or give the ball to Debo as a running back, whatever you want to do, just keep giving him the ball. Um, just really cowardly decision-making. And I had a Niners future, uh, obviously in flames and will be toilet paper now, but uh, <laughs> you know, my biggest fear always wasn't Garoppolo. It was Shanahan managing the game. And again, it reared its ugly head at the wrong time. You know, that fourth quarter Rams out of timeouts, you get that first down you're into Rams territory, looking at a field goal at worst with more time turning off the clock. Of course, the game falls apart from there. So that was kind of my only takeaway. But listen, Rams, better team. Uh, I also ended up betting on the Niners in that game. So that was a pretty easy cover, in my opinion. So good for the Rams. You know, I am I like Matt Stafford. Um, between McVay and Taylor, though, that should be a funny in-game managing as well. So that's kind of my only takeaway. What about for you, Peter? I, I was just my I honestly just didn't think either team looked very good. Like you look at it and like Reed said, like kind of Shanahan kind of gave the game to the Rams and Matt Stafford very well gave it up, but Chakwisky Tart dropped the interception. Like <laughs> it's I know the Rams went on to win the game and you can't say what if, but like that is a nine times out of ten that ball's picked off and that's game. Like that was pro- probably would have been game right there. Like maybe they get a stop, but they had no timeouts left. So, like, even if they got to stop, they were going to get the ball with less than two minutes and no timeouts. So, I mean, it just – for me, I just came out of that game. Like, I feel like a lot of people – and we saw – we we talked about it um, in our meeting before. The, the consensus before the game was uh, – the look ahead was three Rams three and a half if the Bengals won. Yep. And it's at four now. And I'm just kind of like, what did the Rams do where you're like, oh, they're definitely even more favored in this game? Like, I think if anything – it would stay the same. I didn't think the Bengals did enough, like in terms of them falling behind where you like would have moved it that way. But like the Rams did not look great yesterday. Like Stafford got it done when it mattered, but he got it done because like Reed said, like Shanahan got too cute with it on that third and two. And then he decided to punt away. Like he gave him all the opportunities to come back and win that game. And I think the the one thing, and we'll talk about when we get Super Bowl best, I think the Bengals secondary is a lot better than the Niners secondary. So I just don't know, like, Matt Stafford, he did not – he looked really good the first two playoff games. Yesterday, not so much. I was not impressed. Yeah, I, I think that stood out to me as well. That There was also the sort of an inane ability for Stafford to make big plays down the stretch, and, and neither team really wanted to sort of take care of business late, I thought, in the, in the 49ers and Rams game. So I'm right there with you. Like, Stafford, that's been his M.O. all throughout the course of his career. He's, he's best in the league since he came into the league and comeback victories. Um almost kind of makes you feel based on the way that the NFL playoffs have been going the last few weeks, that whatever quarterback does have the ball last is more than likely going to deliver that game winning play. So I, I think maybe my big takeaway coming into the Super Bowl might be a, a better live betting play as opposed mm. to a pregame betting play. So let's, let's talk about the matchup for a second. Obviously uh, WinBet released the odds uh, last night Rams opened as four point favorites in their home stadium against the Bengals uh, line currently at 49 and a half. As far as the total for anybody looking to bet on the money line, the Rams currently, as I scroll over to WinBet, 
Uh, Rams are minus 190 on the money line. The Bengals are plus 155. If you're, you're new to that terminology, basically the money line is to win straight up. Plus 155 odds would mean you would profit $155 on a $100 bet. Um, Peter, I'm going to start with you because I know you have an early lean here. And, and Reed, I know that you've been going a little bit back and forth. And I think I have a way to tie them all together. So let, let's go around the horn. Peter, give me your play. It sounds like if you had the Bengals going this far, you, you can't. Uh, you can't leave the the girl that brought you to the dance or whatever expression that I'm probably screwing up right now. Exactly, Ben. Me, you and I had the uh, Bengals to win the AFC. We talked about it in our, our best bets video before the playoffs. I've been betting on them every week. The second that line came out, Bengals plus 160, I got it at money line. I took them to win. Um, like I said, I just didn't think the Rams looked that impressive. Their front seven is going to give the Bengals offensive line fits, which scares the hell out of me in this matchup. But I just I think their defense, their secondary is very underrated. The Bengals were top five in the run this year. They've looked they shut down Mahomes in the second half. Like this, this team has looked really good defensively in the playoffs. And I think it's kind of got swept under the rug because the Titans game, the the offensive line was so bad. So that was the talking point. And then obviously yesterday you had the comeback and it was kind of like, oh, well, look at what Joe Burrow did. I mean, Joe Burrow doesn't do that without how good their um their defense played. Their secondary is better. I don't know if they're going to be able to hold Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham, but I think they will do a better job than the Niners did. And I, I just think at this point, if you want to take the walk down narrative street with me, like this is just this is setting up for Joe Burrow. It's year two. It's it's similar to what Mahomes did when he won the Super Bowl. Like it's year it's year two. He came. He took the leap. And like we saw, like I wonder how good they would have been if they would have played themselves out of Jamar Chase last year, out of that spot, if Joe Burrow didn't tear his ACL. Like, this all came together perfectly for where, where they landed. They got the top five pick because Joe Burrow got hurt. They improved the defense around him with Hendrickson, Hilton in um, free agency, and and Eli Apple made a big play on Tyreek Hill, even though he got burned in the first half. They made some good moves in the offseason. I just feel like the narrative is there for the Bengals, and, I mean – I like I said, I didn't think they'd be four point underdogs. So I'm just gonna jump on them on the money line and, and ride this thing out. All right. Reed, I, I know you've been going a little bit back and forth. Where where's your current state of mind, at least for this game, if you're uh, looking to try and attack this thing? Yeah. Um this wasn't one that jumped off the page to me in terms of a matchup perspective or anything. I the Rams are probably the better team, but I guess my one real take is that you know, Tom Brady retires over the weekend and Joe Burrow has a lot of Tom Brady in him. I'm not saying he's as good. I'm not saying he's going to win seven Super Bowls. I'm not saying any of that. Just the way he carries himself and his moxie and the fact that his team. So the Bengals, I don't know if this is a fact, but they have to be the first team to go to the Super Bowl, losing the yards per play battle in each of their three playoff wins. It has to be. So it it just feels like Burrow always has his team in position to win. So I, that just feels very Brady-esque to me. Like, I made the joke on Twitter last night. <laughs> I, I made the joke on Twitter last night that Brady retires and now Mahomes has to deal with Burrow for the next 15 years. So, I lean towards the Bengals. I'm kind of – I think the Rams have advantages in the trenches, but their secondary is a little vulnerable, and I think that the Bengals can make them pay deep. Burrow could get the ball out of his hands um, quickly. So maybe a slight lean towards the Bengals. I do feel that I may stay off and do a lot of props instead or something. This just isn't a Super Bowl I'm itching to wager on at the moment. But my one real takeaway is that Joe Burrow is a gamer. And the Bengals, I think, have like the second or third most cap space in the NFL. So like this team, and it's a funny dynamic here because the Rams, they're that super team all in, no draft picks, where the Bengals are kind of that traditional route nowadays where you get a rookie quarterback – 
you build around him. And the Bengals aren't even there yet. They're a year ahead of schedule. They have all this cap space. They should sign up at least two or three offensive linemen, revamp that offensive line. Then you're going to be an AFC contender for the next, you know, five to six years at the very least with Burrow. So very exciting in terms of that type of dynamic, which one will be correct there. And it's also cool because I think Joe Burrow has a chance to be one of the next great quarterbacks from a guy who wins you games. He always has your team in it late. And like we were just talking about, whoever has ball last, I think is in a great shot to win. So live betting isn't a bad look. Those are kind of my early thoughts. So overall, slightly in Bengals. Don't really have one. I think Joe Burrow is really good, and I'm excited to watch. <laughs> so your your perspective on on Joe Burrow, as much as you want to believe that it's a hot take, really really isn't. I I actually heard maybe about a couple of weeks ago, um, Dave Wanstead, who does uh, you know he's longtime coach in the NFL and college football, uh, currently with Fox, does a lot of stuff currently in Chicago. He was the Bears coach back in the '90s. Uh, heard him on the Spark uh, on the Parkinson Spiegel show uh, with reference to Burrow as you know a, a lot of similar traits that he sees in Brady of, of all quarterbacks that have come in from a competitive competitiveness level. I see it's still early uh, and I'm still sick, so uh, we'll, we'll 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 pass that over. Uh, but from but from that level of competition to intensity to preparation and leadership. He says, like, all those qualities from Burrow are very much there. So um, this is starting to become a more familiar narrative. And you're right. Like, as Brady theoretically leaves and moves off into the sunset, you have Burrow now moving into the Super Bowl uh, and taking over for a team that has made such a remarkable turnaround uh, in just his second year. And you're right. There are ties to, to Mahomes there going in second-year MVP, third-year Super Bowl. The, the thing I'll say, because I am leaning towards the Rams, um, you brought up the aspect that the, the, the Bengals need to spend this offseason going in and revamping their offensive line. The Chiefs have been a pretty good team, especially in the second half, of getting pressure to the quarterback. Didn't do it against Burrow. I, I thought they'd be much better than Tennessee, and Tennessee ended up sacking him nine times. That's going to be a substantial issue. And yes, Burrow can get the ball out quickly, but we've seen Aaron Donald wreak havoc for a long time in this league, and now they have a week to get ready. They have a week to prepare. They're in their home building um, I, I think you're going to see a similar situation to last year's Super Bowl, where we kept waiting for Mahomes after they went down further and further against Tampa Bay. Like, okay, when is Mahomes going to go be Mahomes? And he's running and dancing around and escaping pressure, and still nothing was able to come from it. I think you're going to see a similar type of situation where we're all going to be looking to take Burrow as the Rams continue to increase and they continue to build pressure. And there's just not going to be anybody available because the Rams, from a personnel standpoint, just have more depth than the other teams that the, the Bengals faced in the secondary. So I think they're going to be able to lock up a lot of these receivers. I think they're going to be able to stop him in the running game. And Burrow's going to be running for his life. And the tackles that he was able to avoid in the Chiefs game aren't going to be the same tackles that he can avoid against the Rams. So I, I think this could be a Rams victory that has similar feelings to what we saw last year, where this, the interior defensive line, just swarms him and there's really nothing much he can do on his own because the receivers are covered downfield. They're not sending more than five guys on the rush. And I think it's going to make his life awfully difficult. So those are my, that's my early lean at least from the Super Bowl on the other side. Um, we've been going a little bit long, so let's dive into to best bets for today on Monday. Uh, Peter and I are both looking in the NBA. So we will go there. Second read uh, college basketball is the game. You're looking at Wyoming tonight. Why is that? Yeah, we're going out West. Uh, had a big Day. I might as well tune my own horn while I'm here. The Saturday best bets column, really, really strong. We finally had that breakout day. Eight and one on the column on Saturday. So that Nicely was done. 
Yeah, big Saturday. Finally, we kind of broke out of that slump we were in. But so I'm looking out west, Wyoming. They are a small home underdog to Colorado State. I just take the money line um, instead of plus one. I make this closer to Wyoming over a bucket. Uh, Colorado State's been a little shaky since that COVID pause. They just lost by double digits at home to a shaky UNLV team. So really don't see where Colorado State's being favored here. Um, one of their lead guards, John Tonje, he's been banged up the past few games. That's going to be a problem against Hunter Maldonado and the Wyoming offense. These are the two top offenses in Mountain West play. So, you know, one injury there, this can kind of swing the game. That's kind of projected as a coin flip. I like Wyoming. I think that they can win inside and out. Colorado State, I'm not really liking it as um, this team. I think they're kind of trending downwards while Wyoming's tra- trending upwards. So I'll take the home dog um, to win outright. All right, Peter. Who do you like when it comes to the uh, to the association tonight? Yeah, I'm I'm all over the Grizzlies tonight. Uh, plus three against the Sixers. You look at the Grizzlies have done. They're now the best team in the NBA against the spread. Wrote about it on BetSided yesterday. Um, they have absolutely dominated over their last 19 games. They are 16 and three against the spread, or sorry, 15 and four against the spread over that stretch. And they've covered in 15 of the 16 wins. They've gone 16 and three straight up. And 15 of those 16 wins they've covered. So I like them to cover this spot, um, plus three against Sixers. I'm also going to sprinkle on the money line. They're really, really hot right now. Um, I'm kind of surprised that they're three-point dogs in this game. I know Joel Embiid has been playing out of his mind, but so is John Morant. Um, so I think this is a game where the Grizzlies can really push the pace. They're ninth in the NBA in pace. Sixers are 26. They want to slow the ball down. They want to play through Embiid in the post. I think if the Grizzlies get up-tempo, they let Ja run the floor. Um, and kind of create for everybody. They're, this is, could be a game where they make the Sixers kind of get out of their comfort zone. So give me the Grizzlies plus three. I'm, I'm riding them until they start start going uh, back the other way against the spread. <laughs> I, like I got a question. One. We got a question. I like that too. I got a question from Beers and Bowties before we give my NBA pick. We'll go back to football for just one quick second. He wants to know if, if Mahomes is kicking himself because he didn't kick the field goal on fourth down at the end of the first half. You know, we talked about this a, a little bit earlier in the show that it was absolutely a wasted opportunity. I don't know if the Chiefs necessarily feel like they kept momentum by kicking a field goal. I think they wanted to be aggressive, uh, but it was just, it was the play call didn't work and it didn't seem like from a situational side that they were prepared for it. So I I think not getting any points is probably the the big miss here, as opposed to whether or not they they scored or got a field goal. You guys agree? Yeah. Yeah. That play falls on Mahomes. That that's just a total blunder from him. I I think, they, they motion Hill out almost as kind of to, you know, shift the defense a little bit. I don't think the ball was ever supposed to go to Tyreek there. I think that's – it's a there's a difference between aggressive and reckless, and it was an aggressive play call, sure, I guess, like not taking the points, but you had time to throw another pass. It was reckless from Mahomes to throw it in the flat and Tyreek not have a walk-in. Right, with, with no timeouts left, exactly. Yeah. Did not, did not, 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 not the play that uh, that Andy likely designed up and, and had in his head. Uh, yeah. For my best bet tonight, I'm I'm going to the the NBA. Uh, a little bit more concerned about this with no Shea Gilgis Alexander, but you know, looking at some of the actual numbers for Portland, they're still atrocious on the road, and they're coming off a of back to back. You know, they they finished their last road trip actually with with four wins in six games, and I think going into that road trip, they had two road wins overall. Um, but then all of a sudden they go back home and they're starting to play terrible basketball again. They're uh, making a lot of 
terrible mistakes. They're turning the ball over constantly. Their shooting has been inconsistent. So they're on a back-to-back going up against a team in an OKC that has the third best against the spread record in the NBA. Been a much better team at home, although without Gilgis Alexander, they are 0-5. But I think I think they play them tough. I think they hang with them. I also think this number is going to move a little bit. So this is probably a number that I'm waiting on. I think you might be able to get this closer to, to four and a half or five, but uh, I like OKC to keep it close. Portland probably ends up winning this in a close one, uh, but the Thunder still battle even without uh, SGA. So those are our best bets for Monday. Plenty, plenty of Super Bowl conversation going on the next two weeks taking you all the way up. We'll have a lot of different insights, all the props you can possibly imagine. I even give you some of the backstories of some of the best props in Super Bowl history. That's all coming up. We'll have plenty of podcasts, videos, everything that you need to get you ready to bet the big game. We'll have you prepared for it. So for my guys, Peter and Reed, I am Ben. We appreciate you guys joining us and hanging with us on Bet and Breakfast. We will be back on Thursday with a brand spanking new edition. Until then, may all of your bets hit and good luck. Talk to you soon. Thank you.